0: Go ahead and subscribe, and you'll be the first to know when we release more content in the future. Thanks for listening in, and be blessed. Good.
1: Well, 2017 has come to an end. It is ending tonight. Um, And it doesn't matter how fast you want it to end. It doesn't matter if you don't want it to end. It is ending. In fact, um, I was reminded I was just getting ready for this morning, and I'm going to share what I believe. I have a word from the Lord for you. Um, Sometimes the Lord gives me a word for myself. Sometimes he'll give me a revelation for myself, and I share with all of you. This morning I believe I have a word from the Lord for you. And you can take it, you can leave it, doesn't matter. Um, But I was reminded when I was preparing for this Sunday in particular, um, the last Sunday we had at our last location, I remember as our time came to an end there, I I spent some time with the Lord going, Lord, I need help. Show me how how to address this situation, especially with our church, because we were at a place where we believed we will be here and we'll be here forever until it's time for us to go. And clearly the Lord had better plans. Um, but at the same time, I said, OK, Lord, what do I say? What do I say to these people? What do I, what, what do I tell them to give them uh, reassurance that even though we're moving, nothing bad is happening? It's a good thing. And the Lord took me to Revelation where Jesus said, I am the Alpha and I am the Omega. I am the first and I am the last. And what he shared with me was this. Too many times you see open doors and you say, this is Jesus. But when the door closes, you don't say, this is Jesus. (laughs) All right, most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we don't like closed doors. But Jesus didn't say, I am the first and Satan is the last. He said, I am the first and I am your last. I am your first, I am your last. I am the, the door of opportunity for you and I am also the door that closes, which is an opportunity for you. And if you understand that I am first and last, you'll realize that the ending of things can be good for you, if not better for you than the beginning. So as 2017 comes to a close, again, Jesus is first and he is last. So let's enjoy Jesus this morning. Are you with me? Amen. I have good news for you. Are you ready? Good news. If you have your Bible, you can open up to Philippians chapter three. Philippians chapter three. And I'm going to do my best not to... uh, spill the beans on what the Lord shared with me for 2018. But what I'm going to share with you this morning, uh, just to open up, I'm going to share with you a, a passage I always read at the end of every year. Um, I think about two years ago, we were still meeting in my house. might've been two, three years ago. I can't remember now, but we were doing a house meeting on a Wednesday night, Thursday night, something like that. And I shared this with a few people who came on new year's Eve that night. Um, and I'm going to share it with you this morning, every year, I always read the same passage. And for me, it's a challenge. Not so much God saying, what are you not doing, son? But it's more of a, the Lord saying, I'm challenging you to go deeper. Are you with me? So Philippians chapter three, let's look at verse three and we'll read down. Verse three says, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Now watch this coming into 2018. He says, hey, look at us. We are the true ones who worship God in spirit. We rejoice in who? Christ, Christ Jesus. I don't rejoice in myself. I rejoice in Christ and everything that God has helped me to accomplish. He's caused me to fulfill. I don't rejoice in myself. I rejoice in who in Christ. Now the beauty of rejoicing in Christ, even though I may be going through hell on earth, Jesus is not going through hell there so he can rejoice. I can rejoice in him. And I can stand firm that as Jesus is, so am I here in this world. Are you with me? So we rejoice in Christ. Don't look at what's going on around you. Believe me, the world is getting worse. I don't think it takes a prophetic word from God for us to realize the world is getting worse. But as the world continues to spiral out of control, we can rejoice in Christ. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Are you with me? And have no confidence in the flesh could go about 10 different directions with this, but we have no confidence in the flesh. Cursed is the one who puts confidence in the flesh, but blessed are they who put confidence in Christ. Are you with me? Verse four, though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks that he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Now, I love this passage of scripture because Paul, I love Paul. He's gonna have a moment where he says, you know what? We don't put confidence in the flesh, but there are some among you who put confidence in the flesh. There are some among you, he's talking to the church in Philippi, there are some among you who think I'm so good looking. When I go to this job interview, I only need a little bit of favor. (laughs) Are you with me? There are some among you who know, well, I have accomplished all of this. And, you know, it's never this outwardly I'm prideful on the outside. Many times it's an inward thing. On the inside, when you go somewhere, when you talk to people, you're not quick to go, Lord, I need favor because, you know, I can handle this. Are you with me? So Paul is saying, look, there are some among you who have confidence in your flesh, confidence in your own abilities. You know what Paul says? Hey, if there's any among you who think you have confidence in the flesh, I can do it more than all of you. All right. Now, what is Paul's? uh, Why can Paul have confidence? Look at this. Circumcised the eighth day, which every Jew is supposed to be. Of the stock of Israel. So I'm a Jew. Then he says, of the tribe of Benjamin. Of all the tribes, I am from the tribe of Benjamin. Watch this. A Hebrew of Hebrews. So I'm the top. I'm the cream of the crop, so to speak. Are you with me? Paul says, if anyone wants to boast or brag in your church, hey, I can boast and brag more than anyone else. Concerning the law, I was a Pharisee. I wasn't just someone who studied the law. I was someone who studied and I was teaching. Then he says concerning zeal, persecuting the church. You want to talk about someone who's aggressive and actively uh, involved in the church, involved in what God is doing. I was persecuting the church. I wasn't someone who sat back and complained about the problems. I was aggressively pursuing the problems that he thought were problems. Are you with me? So he says what concerning the righteousness, which is in the law. I was blameless. Now this blameless isn't inside, it's on the outside because under the law, you can never be righteous on the inside. Are you with me? Under the law, you can only be righteous on the outside. And Paul says, Hey, look concerning the law. I was blameless. Do You know, in Romans chapter eight, Paul spilled the beans on what got him. Paul may never have killed anyone. Paul may never have stole from anyone. Paul may never have worshiped another God, but you know what Paul said got him the most. I think it's Romans chapter seven. Thou shalt not covet. <laughs> which means even though I may never kill, I may never steal, I may never uh, uh, worship any other gods. At the end of the day, thou shalt not covet means, don't want to do any of that from your heart. And Paul says, that's what got me the most. Even though I didn't do it, I wanted to. Are you still with me? Verse seven, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Now, again, this is one of my favorite passages at the end of every year, because it's time for me to take a, uh, a glimpse, a reflection, so to speak, of the past year. Now, for all of us, look at 2017. What have you accomplished? What have you done? What did you put in God's hands this past year and God took it and multiplied it? I mean, think about it. What have you seen that has been good? Don't focus so much on the negative, but focus on what God has done for you and what you've seen happen this year, the good things. And Paul goes on to say everything that I could accomplish, everything I could put confidence in, I it loss. I counted loss. Now for me, it means this, what I've seen God do for me, I'm not throwing it away, I'm not throwing it out. What I'm saying is, this doesn't even compare to what he wants to do for me the next year. Are you with me? All of this up to this point, my 30 years of existence. 30 years of existence. I didn't. Even, you say 30, it's like, man, anyways. My 30 years of existence, all right? All 30 years will, n- will never compare to the next 30. That's what this means to me. Are you with me? So what does he say? What things were to gain? These I've counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of what? What's that word? Knowledge. <laughs> One more time. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the what? Knowledge. Knowledge. Now. There used to be a phrase years ago, they say, knowledge is power. You remember that? Remember that? Now, this is, where, this is where I love. In the kingdom of God, knowledge is power. Knowledge is authority. Knowledge is favor. Knowledge is everything in God's kingdom. In the world, it's not what you know. It's what you're doing with what you know. In God's kingdom, it's what you know. And stop there. Because the more you know, the less you will do. So Paul says, look, what does he say? Yet indeed, I count everything lost for the excellence of the knowledge of him. In 2017, as it comes to an end, do you know him better than you did before 2017 began? I hope so. And you know what? This is where the challenge comes in. In 2018, may you endeavor to know him better than you did this past year. May you endeavor to know him better. I'm going to show you in Luke just a moment. But in Luke, Jesus looks at, Mary and Martha and he says, Hey, look, she's chosen the better thing. She sat at my feet. What was she trying to do? She was trying to know me. When you know him better, everything else takes care of itself. So may 2018 be a time and a season of knowing him better. Are you with me? Let's keep going. The excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness, which is from God by faith. Say this out loud. I am the righteousness of God. God. In Christ. Christ. By faith. 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 Not by my works. Not by my my good deeds. deeds. But by faith. faith. And faith alone. Do you know that the Bible says? Those who are righteous by faith live. When you make that statement out loud from your heart, you know what happens? Life springs forth. Life springs forth. Every time Satan tries to attack, every time the enemy attacks something in your life, someone in your life, and he wants you to think that thing is going to die. Just stop for a moment and say this. I am the righteousness of God by faith. You know what happens? Now he can't touch it anymore. Now he can't touch it. Now he can't influence that thing anymore. He said, well, Matthew, I'm, I'm saying it and I believe it and it seems like it's getting worse. Say it again. Because the more you say it, the more you have to take your hands off of it. The righteous man doesn't work for himself. The righteous man lets God work for him. And in 2018, know this, you are the righteousness of God by faith, which means in 2018, God is working for you. In fact, let's not even say he is working. God has already worked for you in 2018 the Lord has already gone ahead of you. In fact, when Moses brought the Israelites out of bondage in Egypt, you know what? God told him to tell the people, tell the people, Moses, I have sent my angels ahead of you. They have gone ahead of you on the path that you are about to go. Do you realize God has already gone into 2018 for you and he's already made your crooked path straight. He's already put presents for you in 2018. He's already set you up for success. 2018 is not going to be a time of trying to find the will of God. It's going to be a time of walking and watching him work. 2018 is going to be good. Oh man. I can't wait. I, I want to get to the end. Let's keep going real quick. Verse 10. What does he say? That I may what him? That I may know him. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Being conformed to his death. Now, I can show you a different translation that would make more sense of that. But notice what he put in gold. That I may know him. The endeavor, the the pursuit is not pursuit of knowledge. I'm telling you, you can have Bible knowledge and get nowhere. You can get nowhere. The Pharisees had Bible knowledge. They knew it from the front to the back and back to the front. They could quote any verse off the top of their head. The Pharisees were good. But as good as they were, they used all their knowledge to try and kill Jesus. All right. And he was their salvation on two legs. (laughs) They used all their knowledge. In fact, Jesus came to a synagogue one time and he saw a woman who was uh, oppressed by a demonic spirit. She was bent over for 18 years. And when Jesus saw the woman, he said, come here. And he said, she being a daughter of Abraham, should she not be loosed on the Sabbath day on the day of rest? Should she not be loosed 18 years? She was suffering. 18 years she spent in a synagogue, 18 years hearing people who knew this, do you get it? Now we use this to know him better, but look, it's not knowledge of this, it's knowledge of him. When you take this and say, Jesus, I want to know you better. Show me more of you, Jesus, he'll show you himself in this. And when we know him, you'll be conformed to the power of his resurrection. May you see his resurrection in every area of your life in 2018. May you see his resurrection in every area of your life. When you see someone walk out of your life, say, Lord, may you, may I see resurrection in this area of my life? Resurrection. We always think resurrection coming back from the dead, but you know what? It's not just that resurrection means what? Whatever seems to be dying, he will bring it back to life. And don't forget when he brings something back, when he restores, it's always what? Better. In fact, in Leviticus, he says, add one-fifth, make it 120% better. Yes. You know, we don't see a lot of Lazarus when he came out the tomb, but I guarantee you this. <laughs> Lazarus was probably one of the healthiest people you ever saw. <laughs> because when he restores, it's always yeah. better. Yeah. Lazarus probably said, kill me again. No, I'm just no, but when he restores, it always makes it better. Yes. So whatever seems like it's dying in your life, thank the Lord that, you know what, this year I will see the resurrection resurrection power. Are you with me now? I want to build again on this idea of knowing him because it's not knowing this it's not knowing people it's not knowing what's going on in the world. We need to be conscious of what's going on in the world. Yes, we need to be aware of what's going on in the world. But you know what? Sometimes it's good to just stop for a moment and say, I want to know you better because you know what? A man who only knows Jesus can jump in the ocean, swim around, have fun for a couple of hours, go home and find out there were sharks in the water. But you know what? If you know Jesus, you're not conscious of the sharks around you. Do you get it? Now, again, we want to know what's going on in the world. Don't be ignorant to what's happening. We need to know what's happening. But at the same time, know him more than you know what's going on in the world. Are you with me? Now, look at this in John chapter 17. Jesus, in the last moments of his life, John chapter 17, verse three. In his high priestly prayer, he just finished preaching to his disciples. He just finished um, expounding truth to them. He has never expounded outside of the upper room. And he's telling them things they've never heard before. And he finally said, they say, Jesus, just tell us plainly, are you the one? And Jesus says, have you been with me this long? And you're just now realizing this? (laughs) And I love what Jesus says. He goes on to say this. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And he goes on to say all these powerful truths to them. And then when he finishes, he says this, he looks up to heaven and he starts praying. And we're going to pick up just after he opens his prayer to his father. This is Jesus as a high priest. Now praying for all of us, even though he's praying for the disciples, he says this in that same prayer. And I'm praying for those who will come to meet the knowledge of me through their word. That's you. All of us have come to the knowledge of him through his word. So he's praying for all of us. But watch this, verse 3. Jesus says, and this is eternal life, that they may, what is that? Know Know you. The only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That they may know you. It's not that they may see and and do all these amazing things, that they may conquer the world above. That is not eternal life. Eternal life from Jesus' own mouth is that we may know him. And I'm telling you, in 2018, you will know him like you've never known him before. You will know him like you've never known him before. In the new covenant, God says this. This is the new covenant. You will no longer have to tell your neighbor or your brother, know the Lord, know the Lord, know the Lord. Now watch this. You want to tell your neighbor, which means what? You won't have to run around the world telling, no, no God, no God. You won't have to do that anymore. Then he says this, you won't have to tell your brother, those who are closest to you. Know the Lord. You might have family members or good friends. And he's saying this: this is the beauty of the new covenant. You will never have to yell at them. Know the Lord! Know the Lord. Do you know why? Because God says this: all of them will know me. Yes. And how will they know me? From the least to the greatest. Those who know how sinful they are, they'll know me first. Those who think they don't need me, they'll know me last, but they will still know me. And the word know is by experience, meaning what? They'll know me by experience. In other words, every time they fail, I'm going to bless them in spite of them. Every time they make a mistake, I'm going to protect them in spite of them. When they find themselves at the wrong place at the wrong time, they will see me be a God to them. And that is how they will know me. For your sins and lawless deeds, God says, I will remember no more. Oh man, this is eternal life. You know why you don't have to yell at people anymore? Know God, why don't you want to know him? Because God is going to introduce himself. And 2018 will be a time of knowing the Lord. Oh man, are you with me? Now, what about the Lord will they need to know? What about the Lord does he want you to know? Look at verse four. Jesus says, I have glorified you on earth, speaking to his father. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Isn't that beautiful? (laughs) One more time. He says, Father, I've glorified you on earth. How did Jesus bring glory to God on earth? I have finished the work which you have given me to do. I have finished the work that you have given me to do. Watch this. We all have a work that he wanted us to do. And I'm using that past tense on purpose. We all had a work he wanted us to do. And the end result of that work was now you can enjoy me forever. The end result of that work was he would look at you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Not well done, my good and faithful son, but well done, my good and faithful servant. Do you get it? When Jesus told that parable, he didn't say. When they enter into the kingdom, he will say, well done, my good and faithful servants, plural. He used it singular. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Why? Because the work that was for all of us, he gave it to the son. And the son said, I will become a servant so that they can become sons. And now when he stepped into his father's presence, the father looks at him and says, well done, my good and faithful servant. When we stand before him, he will say, welcome home, my sons and daughters. Do you get it? He says, I finished the work that you gave me to do. Why? Because it belonged to them, but you gave it to me, Father. How will we know him in 2018? Oh, man, the work is finished. The work is finished. Sons and daughters don't work. They oversee the family business. I'm telling you, this year is going to be a time of overseeing. When you see something happening that shouldn't be happening, you know what the boss does? He finds someone else to take care of it. When the boss sees something not working the way it should, he finds out who's responsible for this. Let me deal with that problem. Likewise, in 2018 may be a time of you reigning from a throne. A time of you speaking to problems and seeing them turn in your favor. Are you still with me? Now watch this, let me show you this. What's gonna be the trick for 2018? And man, after this I'm gonna show you an Old Testament passage and we'll go. Is that good? Okay, watch this. What is the trick for 2018? The beauty of of God's word is this. There's always a a key to every door. There's always a key for every treasure chest, so to speak. But the problem is when we come to church, we're looking for deep, magical, powerful, complex truth. That's the problem with me, all right? Um, When I see the title of a sermon, The Secret to Unlocking God's Favor in Your Life. Before I understood how grace worked, I would go, okay, I wanna find out what the secret is. And I'm on the edge of my seat, listening, listening, listening. And somewhere about midway or towards the end of the message, they'll say, are you ready for the secret? And they go, yes. And he goes, it's number one. And then you go, where's my pen and paper? OK, number one. Number two, all right. Thou shalt not kill number three, you know, and they give you the the, the four steps, the five steps, the 15 steps, the 16 characteristics of someone who God favors. You know, I I love those messages. (laughs) But anyways, the point is, we're always looking for complex truth when it comes to God it's always simple. He knows you. And if he makes it harder than simple, he knows you. We'll leave it at that. All right. (laughs) Do you know how God said, you you know how, you know how God turns every curse in your life into a blessing? Do you know how he does it? Now I could give you the 10 ways to turn every curse into a blessing in your life. But you know what God said? I turn every curse into a blessing because I love you. Simple, simple. Well, what am I supposed to do? Just let me love you. If you let me love you, I'll turn every curse into a blessing. But what about the steps? What about them? What about the characteristics of a man who has no curse in his life? Wow, (laughs) what about the characteristics of a man who has no curse in his life? You are about to be that man. Do you get it? So it's always simple truth. It's never deep, profound. I mean, it's always deep and profound, but it's never complex. God keeps things simple. Are you ready? So let's look at this Luke chapter 10 real quick. I'm going to show you the key for 2018. Again, I believe I have the word of the Lord for you tonight. uh, This morning, not tonight, this morning. We are ending tonight in 2017. Oh man, I'm excited. I can't wait for next week. (laughs) This Sunday was about to be next Sunday, and I said, No, no. Anyways, are you with me? Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now it happened as they went that Jesus entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted. Say, distracted. Distracted. No, watch this. I'm going to show you in just a moment. Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. Say one thing. One thing. I told you, God keeps things simple. You get it? God keeps things simple. Now, in this story, it looked like she was being noble. She saw Jesus hungry. She saw Jesus tired. She, she saw Jesus as a guest, so you know what she did. Let me work for him. It's customary in that day and age when a guest comes into your home that you prepare food, all right? You wash their feet, and you bring you bring them whatever they need. Refreshments. You bring them a blanket or a pillow to sit on. In that culture, it's customary and honoring to a guest when a guest comes into your home to do what Martha is doing. But Mary didn't do what Martha did. You know why? Because Mary saw. This is his home. Do you see the difference? On one hand, people come to church and they say, we're here to serve the Lord, brother. Let's serve the Lord. And you know what? All the while he's saying, I'm not a guest. You are a guest. (laughs) This is my home. When you come in, let me serve you. Do you get it? Now watch this. He says, one thing is needed. Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. Let me show you this in the, in the passion translation. Okay. Watch this in the passion. Then the Lord answered her, Martha, my beloved Martha. When he says Martha, Martha, it's a very intimate way of saying their name. So in a sense, he said what? Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by all these many distractions? Are they really that important? No. I love the passion translation. I'm falling more in love with it because I love the way it's worded here. What is he saying is this? Hey, look, you're pulled away and distracted you are pulled away and distracted from who from me. Mary decided not to let the distractions pull her last Sunday. I shared this and I'm going to reiterate it cause I'll probably say it again next week because I can't hold on to it anymore. All right. I believe when we prioritize the things that God prioritizes, he makes our priorities his priority. All right. I'll say that one more time. I believe when we prioritize what he prioritizes, he makes our priorities his priority. Do you get it? If the Lord was standing here in the flesh today, and he is here by his spirit, but if he was standing here in the flesh today and he said, listen to me, Sister church, you only need to do one thing in 2018. Don't you think you, okay, what is it? <laughs> What's the one thing I need to do? Jesus is here telling her one thing is needed. You don't need to do anything else. Martha, one thing is needed. And Mary, what does he say? Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted. You know, the enemy can't actually touch you. Did you know that? Did you know that Satan can't actually physically touch you? The best he can do, at his very best, he can try to throw symptoms at you. The best he can do after that is he can try to distract you by making things happen all around you, but he cannot touch you. There is no demon in hell that has the power or the authority or the ability to touch you. They might try to touch everything around you, but they cannot touch you. Now, the problem is this. If we're not careful, we'll take our eyes off of Jesus and look at what's going on and say, oh, look at this problem. And like Martha, we go to work trying to fix the problem. But Jesus said, Mary has discovered the one thing that's most important. By choosing to sit at my feet, she is undistracted. By choosing to say, Jesus, I want to know you more. Jesus, I want to, I want to see you more in 2018. I am choosing to put you in front of me, Lord. Hey, you will be undistracted. And that is what is most important. Mary let Jesus serve her. How? By sitting at his feet and hearing his words. Martha said, Jesus, I want to serve you as noble, but you're still distracted. Do you get it? Now, listen, true service comes out of being served by him first. In 2018, I believe our church will be serving our community. Our church will be serving our city. We will be serving in years to come. We will be serving the world. All right. But in order for us to serve accurately, we must first let him serve us. Are you with me? So 2018 will be a time of being served. (laughs) Anyways, now I'm going to show you this in the Old Testament and we'll close with this. Are you ready? I was studying. Actually, no, no, no. New Living Translation real quick. Luke chapter 10, New Living Translation says, but the Lord said to her, dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There are a lot of things to be upset about. (laughs) There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it. You know, and and I think it's in Hebrews in the entire Bible. There's only one place where the Bible says, be afraid. But over 300, I think 365 times the Bible says, fear not, fear not, fear not. Jesus himself said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Only one time in the entire Bible, the Bible says, be afraid. You want to know what that one is? Be afraid that you are not at rest. All right. What does he say? There's only one thing worth being concerned about. There's only one thing you need to be worried about in 2018. Mary found out what it was, and now we know the secret. Are you with me? So watch this, Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 25. Now, I'm going to show you the law of the seven years, and I was preparing for, like I said, for, uh, for next Sunday, the first Sunday of the year, I was preparing for that, and in my preparation, all of a sudden, I said, okay, Lord, I need to, we need to stay in 2017 to end it, all right? We want to know you better, and the Lord said, okay, do you know what we just came out of? in terms of a Jewish holiday. Does anyone know the Jewish holiday that started, was it earlier in September? It started then. Does anyone know what Jewish holiday, which was one of the biggest holidays that just happened? Does anyone know? Jubilee. Jubilee. Now let me explain to you real quick how Jubilee works and we'll dive into Leviticus and we'll close. Sound good? Jubilee works like this. Seven years, six years you can work the land, But on the seventh year, you have to to let the land rest. If you're a businessman, you can work six years. But everything that you have bought from someone else, when the seventh year comes, you have to give it back to that person. And anything that you have sold to someone, they have to give it back to you. Are you with me? Now, I'm not talking about um, minor things. I'm talking about big things. If you sold a house on the seventh year, the house comes back to you. Are you with me? Um, Now, this is how the, the seventh year, sorry. I'm getting them confused. Okay, let me start over. Six years, you can work the land. On the seventh year, the land has to rest. But every seven years, that that seventh year, you count seven of those. The seven of sevens, so to speak. Does that make sense? The seven of seven years combined. On that seventh year, what you do is this. They call it a jubilee. Now, the first six years you work, the seventh year, you call it a Sabbath year, so to speak. Or uh, we'll just call it a Sabbath year because the word's escaping me. But when you count seven of those seven years, the seven of seven, you call that a jubilee. And what happens is this. God says on the jubilee, any slave that's been bought, he must go free. Any property that you've sold, that's when that land comes back to you. So at the end of the day, if you sold something that you weren't supposed to sell, or if you uh, came across a rough patch in your life and you started having to sell things just to get by, God says when jubilee comes, all of that's going to come right back to you. Are you with me? Now that's good for all of, for all of us <laughs> because whatever you've had to get rid of just to get by, God is saying when the year of Jubilee comes, I'm going to make sure all of it comes back to you. Are you with me? But it doesn't stop there. God says if you have anyone that you know, anyone that, anyone that's a slave and they have been bought during this time period on Jubilee, they must be set free and they must go back to where they came from. Are you with me? Now. When I was meditating on this, I've always seen it as Old Testament understanding. But then the Lord began to say, son, there are people in your life that are addicted to things, that are in bondage to certain things. There are people in our church that the truth was known. We have been addicted and it's hard to let go of something. And the Lord said, son, that is just as much bondage, if not more than it was back then. But in the year of Jubilee, I'm setting them free and they will go back to where they came from. Are you hearing me? So I'm telling you, the year of Jubilee is an amazing time. And God says, Look, all your work must stop on the year of Jubilee. Now, are you with me? Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Leviticus 25. Look at verse. Where are we at? Look at verse 3. Six years you shall sow your field, and six years you shall pursue your vineyard and gather its fruits. Let me turn this way. But in the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall neither sow your field nor prune your vineyard. Now, that's what we just said, right? But watch this the year of Jubilee. And you shall count seven Sabbaths of years for yourself. Now, notice the seventh year is for who? The Lord. The seven of sevens is for who? Us. Watch this. Seven times, seven years. And the time of seven Sabbaths of years shall be to you 49 years. So, seven times seven is what? 49. Every 49 years, you'll have a Jubilee year. We are actually in a Jubilee year that started this year in 2017. Are you still with me? Now watch this. Then you shall cause the trumpet of the Jubilee to sound. I'll put that in, in gold. I'm going to pause for a moment real quick. We talked about this, I think, several times this past year. He says, you'll cause the trumpet. How do you announce Jubilee is starting? You sound the trumpet. Do you know that Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, he who speaks in a tongue, he referred it to sounding of a trumpet. Do you know that when you pray in the spirit, spiritually speaking, you're sounding the trumpet? Yeah. Did you know that every time you pray in the spirit, you're sounding a trumpet. That's why when Jubilee started, the end of the Jewish new year, our, our, our message that night, it was on a Wednesday night going into, that night we talked about praying in the spirit. And that night we played the sound of the trumpets, the three sounds that they hear signifying, this is the beginning of a new year. And when you pray in the spirit, you're sounding the trumpet prophetically. What you're saying is this, even though I'm not physically in Israel anymore, even though we're not there, We're here in America, all right? When I pray in the spirit, I'm sounding the trumpet. I'm declaring all the captives must be set free. When I pray in the spirit, I'm declaring everything that I lost is now coming back in greater measure. Do you get it? When I sound the trumpet, my inheritance is being loosed to me. (laughs) Are you with me? So watch this. He says, then you'll sound the trumpet of Jubilee, then you shall cause the trumpet of Jubilee to sound on the 10th day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement, you shall make the trumpet to sound throughout your land. Now verse 10, and you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Now don't forget, the Sabbath year is for God, but the jubilee year is for who? For us. (laughs) It shall be a jubilee for you, and each of you shall return to his possession, and each of you shall return to his family. Now, you can kind of say, well, you know, if a man has a slave, then they must go free. Well, you know, that could be anything. Yeah, you're right. That could be anyone. But then God wanted you to know something. Hey, look, each of you shall return to your family. Each of you shall return to your family. Whatever family you think you've lost, no. God is saying, I'm bringing them back. Every single one shall return to his family. I'm telling you, when you pray in the spirit, you don't know what the Holy Spirit is praying for you. When you pray in the spirit you don't know what the holy spirit is praying for you he's saying lord bring every single one back because this is the time this is the time this is the hour oh man oh man now it's gonna get better are you ready now as i was meditating on this the jubilee year kicked off last september and we're actually still in it it goes all the way up until next september within the lord said this but son think about this for a moment and i want you to think about this Let me show me this all right are you ready oh man i'm excited Do you know what happens after the Jubilee year? Does anyone know what happens on year number eight? Think about this. You work six years, on year number seven, you don't do any work. And the Jubilee is no exception. On the Jubilee year, you don't do any work. But what happens on year number eight? (laughs) Provision. Now, what do you do on year number eight? You go back to work, right? So if you're a farmer, you go back out and you start sowing seed again. But you know what God said? Let me show you what God said. On year number eight, this is what God says. Watch this. Look at verse 20. And if you say, what shall we eat in the seventh year? Since we shall not sow nor gather in our produce. Now I love this. God says, if you say that, this is my response to you. Then I will command my blessing on you in the sixth year. Now watch this, watch this past tense. God foresaw what you would say in year number seven. So he went back into year number six. And caused it to increase. Do you get it? Then I will commend my blessing on you in the sixth year. And it will bring forth enough for three years. You shall sow in the eighth year. In other words, you're going back to work now. And eat old produce until the ninth year. Until its produce comes in. You shall eat of the old harvest. Oh man. (laughs) I was meditating on this and the Lord said this. What happens is this, you are in a time and a season of rest. 2017, we entered into a time and a season of rest, but going into 2018, the Lord said this, I'm going to begin to put you to work. Now listen, it doesn't mean we're going to be working for the favor of God. It doesn't mean that at all. What did I say earlier? Sons and daughters oversee the family business. The Lord is going to begin to put you to work. Are you with me? And as he puts you to work, what he says is this, don't worry about where the provision for you to work will come from. In other words, when you go to work and you find yourself spending too much time at the water, talking to someone else about what the Lord has done for you, don't worry about where your provision will come from. If the Lord puts it in your heart, I want you to go to this place, don't worry about where your provision will come from. Because in 2018, the Lord says, there will be three times more than you have seen. I have commanded the blessing on what you took in on year number six so that now you will be enjoying for the next three years he said well god i'm already in year number seven what about year number six and the lord says don't worry i commanded the blessing for that back then it's coming you rest you rest because 2018 is going to be a time of seeing me work for you and 2018 is going to be a time for me putting you to work and me working through you working with you Last Sunday, we talked about praying in the Spirit. I'm sorry, two Sundays ago. And you know what we said? You know how you co-labor with him? You know how you co-labor? You sit, pray in the Spirit. He works for you. And when you're sitting, praying in the Spirit, he says, we are (laughs) co-laborers. I'm not doing any work. But yet, you're my co-laborer. We work together. You sit, pray in the Spirit. And I'll do all the work. Oh, man. 2018 is going to be a year of knowing the Lord. Are you with me? Now, let me bring this to a close. Are you ready? This is my third closing. Last closing. Final closing. 2018, we won't have 10 closings. And all the people said, Don't say it too loud. (laughs) You'd have kept it to yourself. (laughs) Now, 2018, let me close with one last verse, all right? God says, Don't worry where the resources are going to come from. Don't worry. I'm going to put you to work. And it's always better when he puts us to work. When we put ourselves to work, we're tired. We're exhausted. When he puts us to work, we're more energetic than we were before we went. (laughs) So this is going to be a year of God saying, don't worry, I'm putting you to work. Anyways, let's keep going. Look at this Amos chapter 9 and I'll close. Amos chapter 9. Amos chapter 9. And I'll close with this. Amos chapter nine. I want to look at the new living translation. I looked at about four or five and I'm telling you this one just pulled it out for me. This one just pulled out some serious truth for me. And we'll close with this Amos chapter nine. Look at verse 11. God says in that day I will restore the fallen house of David. I will repair its damaged walls. Pause for a moment. The word house right here is the word tabernacle in the Hebrew. God says I will restore the tabernacle of David. Now look up here. He's not talking about the, the, the the tabernacle of Moses. He's not even talking about the temple that Solomon built. God says, I will restore the tabernacle of David. And for so long, I thought, man, why the tabernacle of David? Now, I read a book by Tommy Tenney, where, uh, I think it's, it's his name, Tommy Tenney. Tenney all right. Pentecostal brother, uh, amazing preacher of, uh, of faith. All right. Tommy Tenney said this. Why the tabernacle of David? Because worship never ended. When David brought in the Ark of the Covenant and he put it there and set it down. All right. He said, we will have worship 24 hours a day seven days a week there will always be someone worshiping the Lord and the Lord says this I will restore the fallen tabernacle of David in other words in that day our day God has restored worship and truth to him now look I was meditating on this and I was about to move on but it kept sticking out to me and I thought okay why is this jumping out and then all of a sudden I saw something even to add to that why is God restoring the tabernacle of David watch this in Moses's tabernacle If I am a sinner and I want to come and see the Lord, I will never see him. You know why? Because I can go into the outer courts, but that's as far as I can go. All right. Now, if I am a priest, I can be in the outer courts and I can be in the inner courts, the holy place. All right. But if I still want to see the Lord, I can only see him once a year and we have to cast a lot and hopefully the lot will follow me. Are you with me? So really, there's really only one person that gets to see God a year. Now when it comes to Solomon's temple, it was the same setup. A sinner can only go so far. The priest can only go so far in. But only one person gets to see him once a year. But when it comes to the tabernacle of David, David said there was, look, when David brought in the ark, there were no walls. No barriers between God and the people. If you want to see what the Lord is doing, you want to see where the Lord is, you only have to walk up and see what's going on. When I was meditating on this, the Lord said, look, every barrier, every obstacle that has seemed to stop you, I'm moving it out of the way. I'm moving it out of the way. God is saying, I'm making it easier now for me to introduce myself to you. Are you listening? In that day, I will restore the fallen tabernacle of David. I will repair its damaged walls. From the ruins, I will rebuild it. Notice from where? From the ruins. From the ruins, I will rebuild it and restore its former glory and Israel will possess. Who is the real Israel today? The spiritual Israel, all of us and Israel will possess what is left of Edom. If you have an amplified Bible, Edom, the Edomites were the descendants of Esau. They became the enemies of Israel and God is saying right here, Israel, all of you will possess what is left of your enemies. Everyone who has determined you are their enemy. God is saying, I'm giving everything they had. Now it's going to be in your hands. And watch this, And all the nations I have called to be mine, That's us, even the Gentiles. The Lord has spoken, he will do these things. Not you will do these things, he will do these things. Last verse, the, the time will come, says the Lord, when the grain and grapes will grow faster than they can be harvested. Oh man, I'm going to close with this. He said the time will come when the grain and the grapes will grow faster than you can harvest them. Faster than they can be harvested. Then the terraced vineyards on the hills of Israel will drip with sweet wine. Oh, man. Let me close with this. This is going to be a time in a year of seeing God work. A time in a year of seeing him work for you. Work for us. The Lord is working for us. And it will be a time that as fast as you can drop the seed, you'll be harvesting the, the grapes. In fact, you'll be harvesting and have to remember, I need to sow. I need to keep sowing. And you know what the secret is? Jesus said Mary found the one thing she needed to do. Martha, you're too distracted with what's going on in the world. Listen, don't be distracted with what you see. Because I promise you, it is a field day out there. (laughs) It's a show out there. It's a circus out there. There's a lot of things going on. Don't be ignorant to what's happening. But don't be distracted by it. Don't let what you see out there take you away from time with him. In 2018, endeavor to know him better. Because as you sit down and say, Lord, I want to know you better. You know what he's doing? He's making sure that every seed you sow sprouts up faster than you can sow it. He's making sure that what you did, what happened in year number six, is increasing to year number nine. Oh, I'm telling you, he has gone before us. He has gone before us. And 2018 will be a good year. Thanks, Jesus. And everyone said. Amen. Amen. "Amen, Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, we thank you that you have watched over us in 2017. You have protected us. You watched over our children. Father, you brought us out and you brought us back in safely. Lord, we thank you that your eyes have been watchful over every seed that has been sown. Father, I thank you the harvest that it seems like it has been delayed this year, this year, the harvest is sprouting forth because you are accelerating things. You are moving things at a very fast pace, Father. So this year, Lord, where it seems like we have struggled in something, I thank you, Lord, you are removing the obstacles out of the way. No more obstacles, Father. And Lord, we put before you every situation, everything that we have tried to accomplish, we put it in your hands this morning. And we say, Lord, Only you can handle this. Only you can handle this. And we sit where you have called us to sit. On your throne. Seated with you. And Father may 2018 be a time. Of praying in the spirit. May it be a time of resting in what you've done for us. But Father in 2018. May the work that you are calling everyone to do. Oh may we walk into it. May we walk into it. And not miss one good thing you have prepared for us. Father, we thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you. Just take a moment real quick before we close. To just tell them thank you for 2017. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we're grateful for 2017. Lord, you have watched over us, Father. Thank you, Jesus. you never abandoned us, Father. 2017, your hand was mighty on us. But Father, the glory of the latter will never compare to 2018.
0: Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to Center Church Podcast. We trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to receive more of our content in the future, you can email us at centercharlotte@gmail.com, at gmail.com or just visit our website at centercharlotte.org. Thanks for tuning in and may God's grace cover you in every area of your life.